Hi, I'm Chef John, and we're talking about food. Glad you tuned in. You know, a couple of days ago, I was looking at a news article on the internet, and it talked about how you will someday be able to take a cheap cheek swab, put it in a Petri dish, grow some meat out of it, and eat it. And the question was, is this cannibalism? And I thought, no, it's just crazy. But actually, you know, the thought of lab-grown meats and foods is really not too far out there. I looked into it a little bit deeper. Uh, this has actually been around since the 1970s. Um, <clears throat> there was a book called Diet for a Small Planet, and the author was Frances Morlepay. And she wrote about the negative effects of agriculture, big farming, uh, things, factory farming, and all, you know, the footprint on the environment, the cows farting, the carbon and transporting all of this, and some of the ethical issues around how those animals are treated, whether it's right to actually grow an animal that, you know, the only reason you're letting that thing live is so that you can kill it later. And... That actually started the discussion about switching from conventional meat to alternatives. And this was back in the 1970s, but recently it's kind of taken on a new urgency. Uh, Plant-based meat alternatives are available. They've become popular in the last few years. Uh, Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat products, they're sold in restaurants and grocery stores. And there's always been those traditional veggie burgers, you know, the ones that are made pressed peas and soy and beans and grains and mushrooms and wheat gluten. And yeah, they're just nasty. But actually it was in 2013 at the Maastricht University in the Netherlands, Professor Mark Post grew a hamburger in a Petri dish. Not only did he do that, he held a press conference and two food critics in London actually ate it and reviewed it. Boy, these were two brave guys, I'm telling you. But uh, right now, you can't get lab-grown meat. It's just not available commercially. Uh, I don't think the FDA is even talking about it. I don't think they're even looking at it. But it's apparently been in the works for a while. Uh there's a lot of scientists and business people that are looking at the ways of knocking back the impacts of factory factory farming and our animal agriculture. And they're encouraging us to eat less meat, you know, to reduce the impact on the planet. And if you, if ever, they're saying that if everyone in the world switched to a diet that included just half the red meat that we eat now, Half the sugar than we take in now. <clears throat> Basically, get away from that Western tip, Western typical pattern diet, and base your diet more on fruits and vegetables. We'll leave future generations with a more sustainable climate and a healthier planet. And almost 11 million people a year would stop dying from preventable causes. You know, it's you have to admit that. And we, we can't not talk about COVID-19 here. We just, we've got to get into this because meatpacking plants are, well, 
diseases, viruses, illnesses love meatpacking plants. Let's face it. They're a great way to spread a virus, aren't they? Some of them have been forced to close because the workers were getting sick. Uh, now you've got supply chain disruptions. They're leading to higher prices and consumption of meat has dropped. I know personally, I'm eating a lot less meat uh, because the price is so high right now with the meat industry, the animal cruelty, the working conditions, and all that start going on along top of the pandemic. Uh, this is really a very timely subject right now. Question is, is it safe? Is it ethical? Is it cost effective to provide meat to the public? Or is this just <clears throat> another stupid fad that's going to come and go? And let's look at some of the biotechnology involved in this because I think that could be probably a pretty dangerous thing. And we'll come back and talk about what exactly is lab-grown food in just a minute. <clears throat> and we're back and we're talking about laboratory-grown food. You know, there's two types of food currently being worked on in the laboratory, meat and dairy. And these are coming either from directly animal animal cells through fermentation and or I'm sorry they're coming from animal cells or fermentation and this is referred to now as cellular agriculture yeah that that was a new term to me too uh, making cultivated meat you're taking muscle stem cells and then you put them in a medium and we're we're going to talk about that medium here in a minute because, yeah, it just needs to be discussed. And that's the medium is going to produce the muscle tissue in the laboratory setting. The tissue's fed, it's multiplied, it's shaped and structured, and they use bioreactors of some sort and to make it what we actually recognize as meat or a meat product. It's kind of a weird idea. I mean, it seems like science fiction, but it's really more like science fact. You know, NASA has been studying this since about 2001 and they're looking at ways to feed astronauts on long space missions. And the idea for lab grown meat actually originated with a man named Willem van Ellen. And he filed the original patents for that, uh, in the 1940s. Now there's also the fermentation based, which is relatively new. It's creating animal-free products and protein-free dairy products using a bioengineered yeast. It's kind of a microflora type thing, and it ferments plant sugar, and that produces casein and whey, which is the milk proteins found naturally in dairy, and they're using this to produce milk and milk products. And then one other thing, and I'm not going to talk a whole lot about this, but there's also 3D printed foods. <laughs> yeah. You get lab-grown cells, which are put into a magnetic 3D printer, and they're replicated from there, and they produce muscle tissue in various shapes. Now, this sounds crazy, but in 2018, some cosmonauts actually went on the International Space Station and made 3D printed steaks with cells harvested from a living cow. And there's a lot of promise in this as far as uh, this is telling us that meat can be grown in 
food, including meat, can be grown in harsh environments where water and soil is scarce. So, well, when we make that trip to Mars, we know what they're having for dinner all the way to Mars and back, right? So, <laughs> all right, let's, let's talk about some of the pros and cons on this. You remember uh, right at the beginning here, I talked about uh, that hamburger in the Petri dish. Yeah, because that was a five ounce beef patty. It took two years to make it. And it cost $325,000. Yeah, that was one expensive hamburger right there. But you also look at the notion of it's a new technology and there's always a lot of research and development costs. And that, that can get pretty expensive. Once this actually goes into production, people start purchasing it, volume increases, the cost is going to go down. I mean, beyond meat and impossible meat uh they started at around 20 dollars for just a burger to make and they were hard to find but now they're everywhere and it goes for about eight dollars a pound so once it gets on an industrial scale i think the price will probably go down on it uh, probably the largest cost obstacle is going to be that culture medium that i talked about a minute ago to make the meat uh what exactly is that well Let's talk about that for a minute because they're using what's called fetal bovine serum. Okay, let me tell you about fetal bovine serum. You kill a pregnant cow. The fetus is removed and bled to death. They take the blood, it's refined, and that's what this fetal bovine serum is it's refined cow's blood most most of the cultured meat right now that's been produced this way that's how they're doing it to me it's you know you want to talk about animal cruelty okay you can get on that subject real easily here and i can tell you that vegans aren't going to be too happy about this uh they are working on a plant-based one, a plant-based medium, because they're going to have to, the only way this is going to get any kind of cultural acceptance is to get rid of that fetal bovine serum. It's, I know, well, one, I'm not going to eat it no matter what they produce it with, but I can tell you I won't even try it while I know it's on that fetal bovine serum. It's just, it's not a good thing. <laughs> It's, I, I just find it very shocking. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. And we're back. Thanks for sticking around. So is this really better for the environment? Uh, the journal Science in 2018 published a study, and I thought this was really interesting. You know, meat and dairy provide 18% of the calories that humans consume. But, you know, to produce that meat and dairy is 83% of global farmland, and it produces 60% of our agricultural greenhouse gas emissions. Okay, those numbers just don't add up to me. You know, that's, that's way too much for too little. So, I mean, industrial agriculture, it's I, water waste, pollution, and it's just, you know, clearing land for agriculture destroys habitats, uh, species go extinct extinct and such so and 
there are other factors to consider too. I mean, your traditional animal products, foodborne illnesses, food recalls, salmonella, E. coli, live in the guts of animals. And this gets put into our food system through fecal contamination. Now, I know as careful as they try to be, and as much as we try to avoid this, over the years, there have been major, major recalls on that. And as long as this cultivated meat is produced in a sterile and controlled environment, we can eliminate a lot, a lot of that problem. And the other thing to consider is antibiotics. Do you know two-thirds of the antibiotics produced in the world are given to livestock? Yeah, they don't come to us. They go to the livestock. And this is why our factory farms are breeding antibiotic-resistant bacteria. You know, it's, that's, that's not good. It's going to take a lot of lives by the end of the century. And now, to ask, will lab-grown meat put an end to overuse on this? Preserve viability of medicines for future generations of people? Well, the best answer I can come up with is maybe. Uh, because, you know, on the antibiotic side of it, this clean meat that they're producing relies heavily on antibiotics. These cultured muscle cells, they don't have any immune system. But once production is scaled up to commercial needs, it'll be automated and done in closed sterile systems. And hopefully antibiotics will be unnecessary. Whether they're right, we don't know. Now, is this going to eliminate animal cruelty? Is it going to take it out? We already talked about that a little bit in the last segment. You know, uh, there's 70 billion land animals killed every year to supply the food system. And let's face it, these kind of meat factories are notoriously known for the way they treat animals. Brutal living conditions, ultimately ending in slaughter. Cultivated meat, on the other hand, is going to use stem cells or skin cells. It's a very minor procedure. Just one stem cell sample can produce enough muscle tissue to make 20,000 pounds of hamburger. Think about that for a minute. So the question is, is this vegan? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, it's meat. It's coming from cells taken from animals. There's nothing vegan or vegetarian about this. Yet the surprising thing is... uh. PETA has enthusiastically endorsed it, and so has uh, Mercy for Animals. So, is this really healthier for you? Think about that for a minute. I mean, we all know the problems associated with red meat and processed meat. Not even going to go into all that. So, will a lab-grown food be any better? Well, again, I'm going to give this a great big maybe. Because, I mean, the cells used in cultivating this meat in the lab don't have fat cells. They're made from muscle tissue. Fat is added to the cultivated meat later, which means they can control the fat profiles. And it can generally, eventually be engineered to various nutritional profiles. So you're looking at tinkering with the composition of amino acids, fats, vitamins, minerals, you know, levels of omega Three, I mean, that, that can all be engineered in there and switched around. This is, of course, all theoretical, okay? Uh, you know, anytime we tinker with nature, we're risking some big surprises. Uh, no matter how good our intentions are, there's still going to be some 
unanticipated consequences. So, I mean, let's make sure that before we unleash this on the world, we really know what we're doing. So there you have it. Uh, what do you think? Are you going to eat this stuff? I'm not. I'm not. I think I'm going to pass on it. Uh, this bovine serum thing is a real concern for me. But I think that if they can come up with a plant-based alternative on that medium, find a better way to do it, then I might consider taking a taste of it in the future. But until then, no. And I'm not real big on plant-based foods. If as far as like impossible meat or beyond meat, things like that, uh, if I want something that looks like meat and tastes like meat, I'll eat meat. You know, there's a restaurant that I know of. They have what they call right rice, and basically it's a vegetable-based rice. It's made out of garbanzo beans and zucchini and all this stuff and pressed together and run through a miller, and it looks like rice, but then again, they call it rice. It's not rice. If I want something that looks and tastes like rice, I'll eat rice. Simple as that. Okay, thank you for tuning in. I know the episode this week got a little bit winded, but... I thought this was something that really needed to be brought up and discussed. So visit us on the website. Leave us a donation, please. We'd really appreciate it. It's going to help keep it free for everybody. And have a good night, and we'll see you next week.